Wondering if you're keeping up with deep dives, buddy dives, and dive master interviews? You might not be. To be sure you're getting all my content as soon as it's available, as well as a commercial-free option, please subscribe to Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. She posted on Facebook what happened to her, and she had friends start yelling at her that she is contributing to anti-vaccine hesitancy. And she's like, guys, I got hurt. Like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand. This is Monica Perez. Here with me today is Josh Stileman, executive producer of the incredible film Anecdotals, a compassionate exploration of the stories of those who have been severely injured by what I call prophylactic gene therapy, but what is commonly known as a vaccine. They are the people whose stories you haven't heard before because their voices have been silenced intentionally by the very authority they once obeyed to their regret. But Josh has his own story of truth and courage, and I'm so excited to talk to him about this film, about his own experiences, and most of all, how his views of the world have changed and what he plans to do next. So hello, Josh. I hope that's all fine with you. It is such a pleasure to see you, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Monica. I appreciate it. So uh, we met through a mutual friend, Joni McCary, whom I respect very much and of course like anyone who's seen her on my show i think likes her we've even had like a little social cocktail hour on the air so you come highly recommended and i knew that we would hit it off immediately which i think we have so i know a little bit about your story um but i know i I really want you to if you wouldn't mind tell listeners kind of uh, about your experience, even even your background, like you were a tech guy, and then you were a CEO of a brewery, and then the shit hit the fan. <laughs> so give us a little a little bit about you, if you would. Sure, um, and thank you for the for the warm intro. And yes, I I am the president of Joni's fan club. Um, so yeah, I was a uh, longtime tech entrepreneur uh, for about 20 years, um, startup companies, mostly in and around the search engine industry and kind of at the birth of social media, um, decided about a decade ago that um, I, I saw kind of where, you know, what I once thought was this, you know, wonderful way to unlock the, you know, the keys to all the world's information um, I still, I still love the internet, but I also started to see a lot of the, a lot of the dark side, particularly with a bunch of the surveillance revelations and things of that nature. Um, you know, it's, it kind of felt to me as well, like, you know, in the early days of the web, you know, a lot of us were, you know, in it for very idealistic reasons. And it almost felt like, um, to some extent, you know, wall street and Hollywood had a baby and it turned into Silicon Valley. Um, and I, you know, if you the defense watched- department. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, <laughs> if you've ever watched that show, Silicon Valley, it, it kind of feels like a documentary. So um, fantastic. <laughs> so I don't know. I I said, you know, I, I want to deal with a manufacturing company. I want to do deal with a physical product. Um, I'd love to have a space in the community I live in. And, you know, beer kind of felt like the intersection of those two things. Um, so, you know, I like beer, but I'm not like a beer dude. Um, but, you know, it, it felt like 
kind of a fun midlife crisis project. So I decided to start a brewery with a couple of friends um, in about 2013. Uh, and business was great for, and it was a super interesting project, um, became, you know, the, the company did really well for a long time. Um, you know, it became kind of a critical, the, the great joke on me was that I still spent all day on a computer. Um, but, uh, you know, very, really fun project, wonderful people I was working with became a really important space in the community we were in. And, you know, we, it was a sort of, not just a brewery, like we had, it was a bar, it was a restaurant. Uh, we had live music four nights a week. We had readings and plays, and it became kind of a cultural, you know. And this uh, was in Park Slope, in, where was in it? the Gowanus section of Brooklyn, um, in like one of those old warehouse buildings um, that you know has been kind of revitalized. So, you know, business was great till 2020, and the world changed. Um, you know, I I will say that I took COVID as seriously as anyone I knew. In the early days, I, I had a friend, and I, I was not yet awake to the propaganda of it all. Um, but I, I had a friend in China who was warning me. I, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the falling down videos, but was warning me that a big virus was coming. And I started telling some of my coworkers. And I remember before, before this, I, I, I would have been opposed to, um, you know, uh, government-led mandates, but I felt like it was my civic responsibility to stay home and to try to encourage my friends and, and coworkers to stay home. So we actually closed the business. The first time I was very unpopular at the company. Um, I was, I decided to close the business, um, to the public before the state decided to Wow. sort of preemptively. Yep. Wow. And the, and the people you worked with thought you were going too far. Uh, mixed bag. There were a couple that were right. like, finally were like, oh yeah, we get it now. There were others that were like, this is New York city. Nothing's going to close. What are you a lunatic? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you, this is, there's a really big thing coming. And I, it's, I think it's going to change the world for a, a long time. I, I felt that way in New York about the smoking ban. I was like, yeah. no chance. No, I was a heavy smoker, not a heavy smoker pack day, but right. yeah, no chance. And I was just yep. shocked. They got yeah. the business owners responsible for it. And that's what, that's, right. that's what changed it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And you know, that's a little bit of foreshadowing into where the story's going, but uh, I don't know. So, for me, again, I I didn't know if the zombie. I, I knew nothing of virology. I you know I, I I inherently thought I was a cynical person, but clearly not enough. Um, but I thought you know we need to protect each other. I didn't think it would be for long, and I said let's let's close. And then uh, we did. Um, we wound up, and I I got so immersed in just trying to hold the company together with duct tape. And you know, we quickly pivoted to be an online business. So anyone who wanted to, like, we're hey, we'll deliver your beer. Hey, you know, so like the whole hospital, we the whole hospitality team. So you know, we our our mission was save people's jobs, right? Because then the state said we weren't allowed to open anyway, right? Um, and that was almost immediately. It was like days later. So you know, the entire like we're like, hey, bartender X, you want to do deliveries or server Y? You know, do you want to pack boxes and do shipping? So, you know, I'll admit I was like, and it's sitting and I, my wife and I were very fortunate. We, we, while the business is based in Brooklyn, we have a house about two hours north of the city. So we came up to our, our home, um, where I've since relocated to. And we were like, we're so lucky to not be in New York city and really just kind of, you know, counting our privilege and saying, yeah, you know, and saying, well, you know, our kids don't have to, you know, we don't have to be in a cramped apartment in the city. We can spread out. We can go outside. We don't have to wear masks. So 
I think some I'm of in the, LA and I was not privileged. Yeah. So I, th- I <laughs> think some awful. of the restriction was lost on us, frankly, which I'm embarrassed to say now. Um, but you know, and, and we, I was not paying attention to any of it. I was not following the science better or for good or bad. I was just like, so immersed in working 20 hours a day, trying to hold this business together. Um, and you know, I, you know, and I'm an internet dude. So I was like, Oh, this is, uh, I'm building an e-commerce thing. I know how to do yeah, this. This great. is interesting. And, it's an and opportunity. it was going great. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, you know, um, you know, during plagues, monarchies have changed hands. Why can't a small business be aggressive and make moves? So we are so myopically focused on that, um, and homeschooling our kids, like we're trying to, you know, teach our kids and, and then digging into lesson plans and realizing that we were pretty disconnected from our kids' education, which was the other eye opener. So really, you know, one A and one B, my family and my work, I just wasn't paying attention to COVID at all. Um, and then, you know, I heard there was going to be a quote vaccine coming out. Embarrassingly, didn't even question it. Um, you know, I, I rationalized by saying, you know, I've put enough shit in my body through the years. How bad could this be? Um, and I got the J and J one, um, I think in part because I, I wasn't interested in the MRNA thing freaked me out a little, but also I'm, my wife made me an appointment. She knew I wouldn't go twice. Right, because you had to go ah, back, ha, ha. I guess, for the two shots. So, so she really wanted you to get it. She felt she, it was a no-brainer. She, um, she didn't have a super strong opinion. She did, we we again, we were like, oh yeah, maybe this is how stuff goes back to normal. Maybe it'll work, right? Um, yeah, without right. thinking about the horrors that we've learned since. So yeah, if you still um, had scales on your eyes, I mean, you know, it's I think it was 2013 when I realized that. I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna out any conspiracy theories that might taint you but there were some things that way it took me 10 years to realize but once the scales fall from your eyes then you can look at things that are um narratives that official narratives as liam chef would say narratives that are in the in the mainstream media the media that you respect that are completely false like if you have never actually seen that with your own eyes you are not ready for it when it's happening to you. And and you don't even think to question the, the assumption that all media could not lie all at once. You, well, you just don't question that assumption. I'm such a jackass that I I knew it. Like I, I, I knew the basic conspiracy theories. I knew JFK. I knew weapons of mass destruction. I knew the food yeah. pyramid. But wow. So like it I, so I'm so I'm just a fool and had a momentary lapse. And a beer reason. guy, it's not in your interest to know the food pyramid is upside oh, yeah. down. Yeah, well I told you I'm not <laughs> really a beer guy. Um but but none, nonetheless, um, you know, and again I got the J and J one and like days after I met with a, a friend of mine who's like an OG anti-vaxxer, and deep down I always knew he was right. Um and he started just dropping science on me, literally. And I quickly realized that I made a mistake. Granted, that they, I think with the J&J, if it doesn't kill you immediately, you're pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's I, why they took it off the market. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have lots of... <laughs> they took uh, it off the market because it wasn't bad enough, in my well, opinion. It, it's, I have some very specific stories of people in my life that will, would attest otherwise. Um, oh, really? The yeah, J&J really like, was that plays bad? Which plays oh. into the the three story, which I'll get into in a moment, but the, yeah. So the, no, but you're, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the, you know, genetic, you know, it's not the gene editing software, um, you know, that's going (laughs) to change your, your DNA. Um, it's more of a traditional quote vaccine. Um, so 
I did have the position at the time. I've always respected medical freedom, maybe because I've had this friend or, you know, just inherently, I think I have like a, you know, I'm like an, I guess I thought I was what you used to call a liberal, which is like, you know, everyone can do whatever they want until it impinges upon somebody else. Um, Right. And then if somebody's really down and out, you give them a hand up. I would say that's, that's the difference between me and liberals is like, yeah, that's, you can't have freedom to do drugs and then also put a safety net under it. That's for me. I've come to believe none of the labels make sense, and frankly, none, none of them I apply agree. to me um, at this stage. I think if I if I fit a category, maybe it's anarchist. Um, oh yeah, but, I'm I'm moving past that to agorist, but ooh, yeah, got it. All right, yeah. you'll you'll have to you'll have to agorist is just is gray markets. So we'll have it. We'll do another show on. Fair that. enough. <laughs> so, I, we took the position as a company, like when the state finally said you can open, we said, you know what, we're not going to officially open until everyone who wants to get vaccinated can have that opportunity. And that was like our hard company stance. So I, there was no, I was not what you'd call an anti-vaxxer. Um, I, I think I've since become one. Um, but you know, the, the idea was I was going to respect everybody's individual freedom, their own, their own privacy to do so. And I remember someone in the company suggested we should mandate it. And I was like, never, I will, I would sooner close it than, than right. mandate someone get this. So, and that was before I knew how horrible it was. So Right. Nonetheless, um, you know, uh, I guess that was spring 2021. Um, and summer was fine. World seemed to be going back to normal. And then the Delta variant hit. And, Are those birds outside your window? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's lovely. No, I, I love it. I'm absolutely window, yeah. loving I, that you're uh, obviously I'm, not in the city. No, I love it. Yeah, oh, my they, gosh. It, it don't, replaced don't the, the, the fire up. engines. Um, I like the fire engines, too. I'm yeah. a city girl. I can sleep to that. Yeah. but. Uh, but it's just, it's lovely to see you in a, like a bucolic environment. If that's yeah. Right. My, my kids, uh, my eldest told me we moved him from New York city to the most boring place on the planet. Oh my um, gosh. What, uh, what is he in middle school, high school? He's uh, a freshman in high school. And then right. I've got uh, two youngers as well. So, um, so in any event, this was, this was spring 2021, um, you know, August and the world seemed to be going back to normal. August came around, Delta variant, shortly followed by New York City's vaccine mandate, which I, I think was sort of one A and one B with where you're from in California yeah. in terms of in terms of who was doing these things. Um I couldn't believe it. And and I partic- very particularly I was actually in Nashville, Tennessee, um while they announced it. And I remember I was with a, I was with a friend of mine. We were kind of walking around. And we're like, "This is so interesting. No one here cares about this." And right. right after we left New York, and people were starting to mask again, like this is a parallel universe, which was I think a very important part of my journey. To you know, it's one of those things. I saw a meme the other day that you know people are talking about how Amish people you know didn't have people die of COVID. No one took the vaccine, and it was like two Amish guys. It's like, oh, you didn't have bad COVID here. He's like, no, we don't have TV. Um, and I sort of <laughs> felt like that in Nashville. <laughs> So <laughs> the, uh, the mandate. I did have a student. We went to Texas during that yeah. time too. And my husband oh, nice. was like, it's a parallel universe. He's from Texas. And he was right. like, oh, I, you know, he kind of like snapped out of it a little bit. It's like, oh. <laughs> where, where in Texas were you? He is from Houston, but we went to Childerberg okay. in Austin, which is happening right this weekend, I think. And cool. it's a gathering of like minded people. And he, uh, he came with me 
And he was like, wow, like nobody's even talking about it. It's not just like, oh, they're not wearing masks and everything. He's just like, this is not even on their radar. (laughs) And and he's like, and it's like very refreshing. Well, this is one of the things for me when I started to, and I'll get back to the story in a minute, but when I started to like, just start to pay attention, I'm like, well, I I don't actually know anyone who's gotten very sick from COVID beyond just a cold. Well, I didn't know anybody except for people who were ended up on ventilators who got Right, who were terminally murdered by their government. Yeah, it was like 100% in New York in April 2020. It was like the people who were put on a ventilator, 96% of like of a certain age over 60 or something, 96% died. And the ones who weren't 25%, and they're like, well, they can just tell which ones are going to die. I'm like, so why put them on $80,000 ventilators? If you're 100% sure you can pick the ones are going to die, why are you treating them in the most horrible way you could possibly treat them? And the most expensive way, like the whole, there was, there was, it was just a freaking logic inversion. (laughs) It was like a black hole of logic. Well, between denying people care, the ventilators, um, the, you know, remdesivir, like denying people um, early treatment in the form of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, like all these things, it seemed, it seems like, and we'll, we'll never have real data around this, but it seems like these, the, you know, response did far more harm than the problem. So, um, totally. And, and mental health with the children it's, who which, were not getting it before the vax got around their age. Yes. Group. Which I, I think we are going to feel for a generation to come. If uh, not the yeah. fertility impact is a little like in, uh, ahead of us, I think. Which horrible thing do you want to talk about first, Monica? Sorry. Keep <laughs> going with your, oh my gosh. No, no. I wasn't, I wasn't I, saying it that way. It's just like there's yeah, all yeah, these. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, it's horrible. Like, no, turbo cancer is definitely the 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 last. You know, we can we can talk about that later. But I I'm just amazed that you have g- come so far along that you're um so confident in your understanding of this that you'll um discuss it openly because very few people, I think, even still, will discuss this intellectual, really intellectual journey and an emotional one openly, even now, like people will, I think people aren't even open to the truth that they're experiencing, Yeah, I, you know, you much know, less witnessing. And we'll, I have lots of anecdotes about that specifically of, course. of me diagnosing people who, you know, his father had a stroke the day after the yeah. booster and telling me that it can't be related stuff like that. Right. So yeah, like, the vast, vast yeah, majority they, of vax injuries, people do cannot, it seems to me in my observation, they cannot yep. come to terms with the fact that no, because good. people don't want to admit that they, they harmed them, that they made a mistake. And and for me, someone like me is like, I'm fucking pissed. I'm, I'm pissed. Yes. I was manipulated and it yes. makes me pay attention. It'll never happen again, ever. Uh, not it's only unbearable. Not, Regret yeah. can be really unbearable. I will Remorse never can be unbearable. This, yeah, this has changed my relationship with the world forever. Not only will I never believe, uh, I, you know, a, the, you know, I, not only will I never believe the media, I won't believe the government. I won't, I don't think I'll believe any institution. I don't think I'll believe my doctor ever again who has been through the Rockefeller School of Medicine. So yeah. have you gone to the point where now you see even in, in this world of people with eyes wide open, there are also limited hangouts among us like are you there yet like it takes a while to like fucking layer through (laughs) and just be like oh oh." (laughs) how do i know who to trust well and and i ultimately trust yourself 
Trust your own eyes. Yes, trust totally. Your ears. Don't trust anybody. Way, yeah. No, no one's universally right about everything. I, you know, and again, I, I don't know like who's a limited hangout or are there people who are self motivated, right? Because even there have there have been a bunch of stars born through this, right? And there are totally. people who have written books or have extraordinarily popular, you know, podcasts or Twitter followers or whatever. And it's like, well, I think you know, and I think this is China and they're myopically focused on that being, you know, the thing. And I'm not yeah. without passing judgment on whether China or not. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, it's, it's, you get hung up on your own idea. And I don't know. I, I think, I think I'm pretty good at shedding my skin and not yeah. being, you know, married to a particular idea. Cause I have no horse in this race, right? I'm, I have no organization. Well, you I'm, do, I'm, you, you did, you had, you had a business, right? But you, uh, your horse is integrity. I'm just saying your horse is truth. You're, that's what you want. And I'm not saying, I'm not yeah. trying to flatter you. I'm just saying like, that's where you're coming at. But it's, I think it's an updike quote that basically to paraphrase says it is pretty impossible, almost impossible to convince a man of something if his paycheck depends on him not believing it. That That is certainly a factor here. I, I think as well, people don't want to, people don't want to admit they've been duped. Yeah. Right. So the, and particularly the people that injected their children with this or forced their employees to get it or right. So I couldn't believe people were doing that at my kids go to these private schools, private high schools. And I was like, well, these people, they have two kids. They're super rich. They spent their entire lives yep. raising them. They're not going to risk their kids. And that's when I knew people really smoked the Kool-Aid. Yeah. What, what I've come to believe is this is, it's, it's a really a class issue more than it is a a left or right issue because like I'm I, I again I'm, I'm I was never particularly political but all my tech friends are pretty liberal right and as I would have always considered myself too and they were like I remember just getting scoffed at like you know I I, sh- I started sharing some stuff on Twitter about like the you know the the soccer the European soccer players collapsing and yes. someone who I have had immense respect for um real you know uh, uh, harvard business school guy like super sharp extraordinarily successful you know in life like listen i i just want you to know that you're sharing uh russian propaganda that because the site that published it was rt and i went back i wrote him ten thousand words back that was like listen i'm i don't know why this information is not on cnn don't i don't and I've, i've come to observe people don't question the veracity of the fact they question the source which again question your sources i'm not suggesting otherwise we've been trained to do but that. Yeah. exactly so you know so i i dug up all the source material for the you know 200 footballers that died in the local papers and shared that and he's like well that's a good question i i don't know i don't know why cnn's not sharing that so i think i think many people are just so hung up on believing the lie um, or, or just not opening their eyes to the truth. And so I saw that with my, you know, very liberal friends. Uh, one of my best friends is like, you know, who, who was like the, you know, the hardcore right wing in, in my group, uh, from like real right wing, not Republican right wing, like for many years. And he got involved with a bunch of, wait, you know, what does that mean? Does that uh, mean like conservative when, fiscally or does conser- it mean like, a, like, like an actual conservative white supremacist? Like, not, like what did he say? Uh, he's a white supremacist. No, wow, I'm just, really? I'm just a no, no. Um, <laughs> no, like he's, I don't uh, actually know any of those. <laughs> no, he's like, you know, 
probably the smartest person I'll ever know. Like was, you know, probably the smartest person at Yale when he was there. I got recruited, like a William F. Buckley type. Got, re- got recruited to all the think tanks, you know, you know, out of, out of high school oh, and then college, you know, it was okay. like, gen- like, um, is he in the CIA? Cause he's, Yale he's, he's not, but he did intelligence adjacent. adjacent work. <laughs> um, and you know, got, got recruited by Intel, you know, all that, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, but like legitimately thought, you know, on the Patriot and those sorts of things. And the it's funny, vast could, majority of people I've met like that absolutely believe it. And they get fucking hot if you're, if you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a layer above yep. you. <laughs> but it's, it's <laughs> like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yep. It's actually funny because, um, you know, somewhere maybe a year and a half, two years ago, we were, we were sending each other links and it never affected our friendship. Like, you know, we're always above that, but it was like, I, I think our Twitter feeds are converging now. I'm sending him, you know, stuff from Tucker Carlson and, he said wow. Glenn Greenwald or whatever. So it's, you know, sort of funny. And it, I, <laughs> I think, um, I think, to, and he, he was saying that he had this observation that he, you know, he was working with a, a bunch of kind of political operatives and he would meant, you know, and of course they were anti-mandate from a political perspective, you know, impinges on our freedom and all the, all the right things you would expect like a right wing person to say. Right. But when he'd bring up the vaccine, it was almost like, well, that that's not really really dangerous. Yeah, of course the government shouldn't make you take it, but it's not dangerous. Right. What are you talking like about? And it, programming kicked in. Yes, but yes, it was, that's it was almost it. like this. Uh, you know, they this. So I don't know. It it felt to us just sort of through our collective experiences that it felt like this was a there was a class chasm with who was understanding this because you know my friends who were police officers and firefighters seemed to get it right away and they they knew all about. The, you know, the mRNA mechanism, whereas these very educated people did not. I have to interject something really important right here, because this is going to help people discern limited hangouts from not limited hangouts. And I know that that to me is the cutting edge of understanding, you know, getting to a deeper truth. Uh, and that is this, that uh, Brandy Vaughn, I don't know if you know who she is. She was a, a pharmaceutical rep and a Vax whistleblower from way back, she said they were trying to kill her and she died at the age of 40 of, a, you know, I think it, I think to this, it's still under suspicious circumstances or unknown causes kind of thing. They said it was a gallbladder, but it wasn't. She started an organization, um, which her friend Tina is continuing, called Learn the Risk. And mm. she was she was skeptical of the mainstream anti-vax movement. Because she said they will stop short. The entire point of it is to make sure that people stop short of saying that they are unsafe. That is the line. Yeah. It, I, I am fearful that a bunch of these movements have been co-opted. And I've, I've listened to, you know, some of, some of your podcasts about things like Tavistock and, you know, whether, whether they're behind this or not. Um, it's very evident that um, whether these things start as a manipulation or whether they get co-opted at some point that there is some, um, some insincerity coming from some places. And again, I think the hard part is just understanding who's who and what's what. But yeah. And I, and I think that I read this great book that I've mentioned many times called Conjuring Hitler by Guido Preparata. And he said there were basically, there were a lot of people in this reactionary 1930s environment in Germany and the, those who had money to support in the background one or another of those movements in order to undermine kind of any semblance of German recovery picked, you know, they didn't create Hitler, but they, but they picked him. They pushed him up from the top, whether he knew it or not. So you don't have to, 
you can be a created person, as I've said, but there's, and there's, um, I also say like many are called, but few are chosen. Like there are a lot of people who go to these internships, who go to these summer programs and they find the one who's the best actor or the person who has the absolute least scruples. I think James Comey was one of those who was picked that way. But for the, for the most part, I think there are a lot of different ways you can get to, uh, that, but if a, if something gets big enough, uh, it either gets eliminated, a la, I will say, Anthony Bourdain, not putting that in your mouth, but that's my opinion, or it gets completely co-opted and infiltrated. I mean, so, yeah, I agree with you at a certain point. It, you just can't. There's a ceiling. There's a truth yeah. ceiling. And we, we could have a separate conversation about this, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big kill your idols guy, right? So I, I think that, you know, I, not to say I don't admire people, um, yeah. but I if you her eyes wide open and understand what's happening here. No one's coming to save us, right? There, there's yes. no, there's no politician swooping in to save the day. Not um, even Ron Paul. Not even Ron Paul. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there may be grandstanding from some politicians, but you know, very little action. Um, there, I, I, I don't mean to sound disillusioned, and ultimately, I, I think I'm a failed pessimist because I'm, I'm still hopeful that humanity will prevail. Um, I, I have to believe that, right? As a father, I have to believe that, right? So, and I have to do everything in my power to try to make it so. So I, my, I think this goes one of two ways, right? I think we are either headed towards a great awakening and we will truly be in an age of enlightenment or um, we're going to continue with, you know, and we, we can get into the vaccine stuff or, you know, the economic stuff or just the general um, squashing of all truth and the dark forces will win, particularly when you codify it into the financial system, these, uh, central bank digital currency. So, you know, I, I think we're headed, it seems like maybe every generation feels like they're entering some new chapter of humanity. Um, so maybe it's arrogant of me to think that this one is, it does feel like if you zoom out and you look at like the great technological breakthroughs in human history, it's like, all right, you've got fire and agriculture and industrialization and computerization was certainly a big one. And as a young man, I was like, oh, the internet, this is great. I'm going to be a part of this. And now I'm like, okay, so this may take a century to play out. Now I'm like, oh no, this, you know, what I was excited about might've just been the road to transhumanism and serfdom. And yeah. The tech of now? tyranny. Yes. Yeah. So perfection. We'll see. Um, but, you know, sort of sort of back down to earth and with the with the backstory, because I know you want to talk about the brewery and, and yeah, the film. But I, I like that the timeline, the narrative. I mean, I enjoy that. That's how we that's how we have these little side things about our evolution of thought and exchange yeah. ideas. So if the whole show is your timeline, we'll have answered all my questions by the end of it. Anyway. That, that's great. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I started saying that, um, you know, and I, I, by the way, so the mandates hit, I was I was shocked and appalled. Um, I, I should also mention, I am a grandchild of Holocaust survivors. And, you know, not to say at the time that I necessarily thought this was, you know, I, I understood like vaccinated people weren't, you know, being put in, you know, in right. camps or chambers. Yes, but I know history. I heard it my whole life. I heard it from my grandmother. Like, yeah, it didn't start with the camps. It started with the health pass. And we were banned from cafes and museums and, you know, libraries and stuff like that. And I was like, this is this, like, no, given my 
my family story. I was like, on principle, like I can't, I just can't do that. Wow. Yeah. See, ignorance, you pointed this out that it's not just ignorance of science, but it's ignorance of history that got us here. Well, I think that's, I, I think we don't know anything. We, we don't know science. We don't know, we, we don't know history. We're enumerate. You know, we don't know math and we don't know how to learn. So, which I don't think is an accident. <laughs> and you're hopeful? Yeah, uh, I am. <laughs> There's some I, of us. Some well, I've of also, us. I've been studying um, just the, you know, sort of pre-programming and trying to understand like all the hints. And I've, I've come to believe like idiocracy was, you know, <laughs> just a, you know, ship to us as a documentary about the future because it's, it's certainly seems to be the projector. Um, but, you know, so we, I was put in this very precarious position as, as a, anyone who understood that you know at the time i i had i had read the trials i was like well they, they didn't even test this for for transmission i got in lots of fights with people about that and like how could we ban people i i would be opposed to it even if it did stop transmission because you can't like nuremberg code right first rule you can't tell people what to put in their bodies without you know consent with coercion so informed consent informed consent and most people have never heard of the nuremberg code at least the people i was talking to so Nonetheless, I even if it did stop transmission, I would have been opposed to it. But the fact that it didn't was just nonsensical. Mm -hmm. And this is when I still thought maybe people were acting in good faith and just incompetent, right? So I'm like, this makes no sense. And I was, but then put in the position because I knew that they were sending around the vaccine police checking to see if we were checking our papers. Right. So we agreed we would we would have someone sit at the front, and <laughs> they wouldn't turn anyone away. Right. But we would go through the theater of it. And, you know, anyone on staff was supposed to get vaccinated. We told anyone who didn't, we told them they didn't have to, and they weren't going to lose their job. And there were at least a couple of people who were very grateful for that. Um, yeah. So, but all that said, like, I, I would sit at the first table right when you walked in and scream fascist. And it was confusing. <laughs> it was confusing to everyone. It was confusing to the kid we hired to check people's papers it was confusing to the customer I had no idea that i was affiliated with the business um <laughs> uh, some some of the why don't you throw this clown out <laughs> yeah to totally um it, it i think some of the employees got very confused by my reaction um that people were clearly upset about it and I, I i was just so appalled to have to check people's arbitrary biomedical status when they entered our we had two locations we had another spot in greenpoint um and i was talking to everyone around me in my orbit professionally about how wrong this was the historical Good. you know the historical precedents that you know were being followed and everyone seemed to be oblivious to it and it was just shocking to me so I think I got, and it's so funny for years, it's like an old school tech guy. I would tell, you know, young people, don't put stuff on the internet if you don't want it to be seen. But I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I just, I, I heard, there was a friend of mine who, um, a, a woman who I became friendly with through all this, whose child um, was in their fancy Upper West Side uh, private school. And the kids at the school did, um, they were singing the song Safety Dance. Remember that from our childhood? Oh yes, safety dance. So and yeah, yeah, and I loved the, it. Uh, but they changed the lyrics to "If you're not vaxxed, you're no friend of mine." Holding signs for Moderna and Pfizer in this in this kid's seventh grade class or whatever. And I, I, it, like the woman was so upset about it, obviously. And the New York Post did a story, 
And I tweeted it and just said, um, you know, the implementation of Vax passports against any defensible scientific reality echoes early sentiments expressed in Jim Crow South, Nazi Germany, Stalinism, Maoism, and other dark times in human history. And then I went on to say, uh, I'm not deluded enough to believe what we're dealing with is 1943 Germany. There's no gas chambers for the unvaxxed, obviously. Still, from everything I've learned from my family, all Holocaust survivors, what's happening now sure does resemble 1933. <laughs> I, I kept going and said <laughs> the origins of totalitarianism typically include segregationist policies such as these, starting with discrimination against a group because the government and or press suggest these people are dangerous in some way, despite evidence to the contrary. From there, people, and it's like a whole thread, you know, people become fearful, neighbors turn on one another, recent messaging has me concerned we may be headed down this path, it only happens if we let it, please speak up for those being excluded, and I have a bunch of like, you know, the New York Times, I'm furious at being unvaccinated, Washington Post, remaining unvaccinated should be considered as bad as drunk driving, blah, blah, blah. How did you craft that? Like you, you, I mean... If I were to write something like that, I would really think about it. I would sleep on it. I would mess around with it. I'd write it in a Word doc. I have never written a thread Twitter. I don't have Substack, so yeah. I'm not doing it. But like that, I you know, how did you choose your words there? Like re- reflection, or was it impulsive? Uh, it was impulsive, but I but I <laughs> typically don't. No, I I I I mean I. I, I think I was driving and typing with one hand. I was I was like pissed, and it was impulsive. Okay, got it. But, All but right, I that's what mean, I wanted to know. Where but, where was this coming from exactly in that moment? It it was impulsive. I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This is ridiculous." Yeah, you were right. I'm not yeah. saying you're not right. And, yeah, and I and I don't think I don't think the words I used were particularly uh, aggressive. They were. No, I it thought sounds, they were it sounds, rooted in his oh. you know historical yeah. reality. I, I didn't even think it was controversial. And your um, history was an oral history handed down to you personally from people who witnessed it. Yes. My, no one my, can question that. You can't my, question that. Yes. My grandmother survived a town of people. Parents, wow. six brothers and sisters, right? So, like, I grew up with yeah. these stories. And I, yes, I always right? wondered, I always, as a child, like, I wondered, you know, what would I do? And over for, for, Yeah, they first, tell you the story ha- so you're prepared. Well, first I wondered how could this ever happen, and I started to see it firsthand, and that was horrifying. But then, you know, you always wonder, like, what would you do? What would you? What would you do if you were if you were in the Jim Crow South, and everyone thinks they would have stood up to it? By the way, yes, I I used that particular language in before I shared all this in in a meeting with some coworkers, and one guy got so pissed and was like, "How dare you tell me up?" I was like, because I, I said something like, anyone who doesn't stand up to this is the same. It's the same thing as not, as not letting right. black people. And it's, it's it's rooted in the same scientific yes. reality that they used in those days. Yes. And he was like, how dare you call me a racist? I was like, that's not what I said. Listen, listen to the substance yes, of what right. I'm saying. And if, if right. you have a guilty conscience, then that's that's your trip. So couple weeks went by. Like, that didn't really get a lot of attention. A couple weeks went by, and I posted a harsher message that said, vaccine mandates were a crime against humanity. If you're not speaking out against them, you're a conspirator. Um, I didn't share any other context. The only thing I regret about that message is I should have said complicit, even if they don't know it, not conspirator. Um, It was the word of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Complicit was the word of the year um, recently. I think anger, you know, is like fear can be an obstacle to pleasantries. And I was pretty pissed. And that particular day when I shared that, I didn't share this publicly. Um, it was right after I talked to a friend, um, and I, who her son 
uh, died 14 hours after the J and J shot. So I mentioned J and J, which he, which he was mandated, um, because he worked at NBC who mandated the shot. Um, she's an amazing person. If you want to talk to her at any point, Oh, that makes um, me want to cry. Yeah. Um, so the, she was upset because no, she kept calling press and no press would talk to her about it. And she was just banging her head against the wall. And by the way, same morning, another buddy of mine who was a New York City school teacher found out that he was losing food stamps and like, how the hell am I going to feed my children? He had already lost his job a few months prior, right? So for, not like, the vax? Is for, not really? for not getting the vax? For not getting the vaccine, And then they cut off um, food stamps as well for those people. What? For people who didn't get vaccinated? Yep. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, so. Wow. I was, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, so I shared that, right? Um, the quote story and mind you, we're a small business, uh, made its way to the New York times. I got a call from a times reporter and I was like, who said, you know, do you want to talk about this? And I was like, yes, I want to talk to everyone. Yeah. About this. <laughs> um, so, and I spent like 40 minutes on the call with this reporter. Um, and you know, I get into my family background, like the whole thing. Right. And 10 minutes later, there, there might as well have been a story that just said, you know, CEO 3's brewing is an anti-vaxxer, an anti-vaxxer, anti-Semite. Um, mind you, I... He wrote that both, story before he talked to you, probably. Yeah, uh, she. But m- meanwhile, uh, although I, don't, I actually didn't ask for gender. I could be wrong. I don't know. I assumed it was she. Um, yes. So nonetheless, I, I it, it was shocking to me because I was both vaccinated and named after a man who was burned in a gas chamber. So, you know... Of course, my coworkers, we started getting calls, customers canceling, you know, by the dozen, like hundreds of customers freaking out. And my head of sales was like, it's so weird, man. I'm talking to them. And they're like, wait, he's Jewish? The story didn't say that. So wow, they're like, everyone around me who who knew my character, they know me, right? They they just wanted me to apologize. So, I mean, how many um, clients did you have? How many customers did you have? Um, so we, we're a goofy business because we have, um, you know, we, we, we have now five locations, um, but we also do wholesale. And it was probably at that time, probably about 600. And wow. Maybe, so yeah. a significant percentage. Oh, oh yeah. We're running they, and screaming because they hated you or they didn't want to be affiliated with you. Uh, that's a great question that I will never know. Is it know emotional the or to. economic? I think it was a little of both. I think some some were emotional. In fact, a couple um, took it as there was a woman from a, a little store that I used to go to all the time called Brooklyn Larder who issued a press release about how they're no longer going to carry our product because they were so offended. There was another guy who tried to like turn it into his own like Twitter sort of celebrity thing, and it was and I it was interesting. I I got a call. I got calls to go on Fox News, and I'm like, I, no. I, in fact, the most interesting person I talked to, do you know who Vera Sharav is? Uh, um, I have heard you mention her, yes. She, she's a Holocaust survivor. Um, she just did a film called Never Again Is Now. I think she did it with Children's Health Defense. She actually interviewed wow. me. Wow. But the, she called it. me and she's like, I, she called me and was like, listen, everything you said was right. Do not apologize. Do you want to go on Tucker Carlson with me? And I was like, you know, no. I appreciate it. I don't want to be a pawn in the left, right thing. And, right. you know, I also have kids that, you know, for now we live in the city, although I knew I had to leave. Um, 
And I don't, I don't want to do that to my kids. And I don't, I don't need to be a talking head in this. This was not my, this was not my ambition in any way. I was just so appalled. So I love your character, Josh. Like yeah, I love like your limits. I love it. Um, so in any event, coworkers are like, you have to apologize. You know, you, you, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I don't say things I don't mean. You guys can issue yeah. a statement and distance yourself from me. And that's fine, which they did. And I, I, in retrospect, I, I, I was hurt by that. Um, wow. But I, I wrote a thing. I wow. started. Wow. And these are people who knew you. Now that was economic. Oh yeah. Um, in wow. fact, yeah. Uh, I, I started a Substack. I wrote my quote apology and I opened it with, I stand by every one of my words. Um, <laughs> so then they really freaked out. Like everyone really freaked out. And then I, I'll send you, I'll send you the Substack. But they, yes, yes. And then I wrote another one that just, I, I resigned in public. And just said, oh this wow! Is, this is you guys suck. No, well, <laughs> it's ridiculous because I still own the business, right? So yeah. Yeah. I, you know, well, great. but my feeling—well, I don't want to, but that's a whole other conversation. But the whole idea was like, I my coworkers didn't pick this fight. They they don't. I don't know if they do yet understand that it is theirs too. Um, they clearly didn't understand my reasons and that's fine. Um, I was acting as an individual citizen and a concerned parent, and I didn't want to conflate it with the business. And candidly, I could have gone on tour and, you know, and salvaged the company and tried to explain to customers that I'm a good guy. Maybe I even have a point that sounded fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. I, I knew I needed to get my house in order. I knew I needed then you're to a politician. My- uh, exactly. And I knew, I knew I needed to get my kids out of New York city yeah. or they'd be swallowed by it. Um, so my, my energy was going in a completely different direction. I also knew that I was already working on producing a film about vaccine injuries. So I'm like, I'm not going to go through this again. Right. This is ridiculous. So you were just taking your personal money to help with this film because it was the right thing to do. Am I correct about that? Yeah, my money and, and time. I, you know, I found a lot right, of okay. clips and did all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, and, I did watch a million copies oh, of it with her. You're the yeah, not a tech guy. I'm, I, I'm just a. I, I actually have no skills. As I've gotten older, I've realized that I think I have guile. Um, yeah, I can, oh. I can find my way in life. Well, what do they say? Fuck around and find out. So you that's just... right. That's right. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the access for it. So no, and and I don't know. I I knew. It was also interesting, and I think this, and I know you've talked about, um, you know, brainwashing and mind control and stuff like that. And it was very interesting to me because the timing was like February 2022 when this all went down, right? And there was a few week period. And I remember it was like right when the, it was like when everyone already knew the vaccine didn't work. And, you know, you'd see the people that were like boosted and still wearing masks and then getting really sick and wondering why. And I remember like, then New York City dropped the mandates. And I, I watched people publicly being like, this idiot couldn't have kept his mouth shut for two weeks. Like, well, mm-hmm. I didn't respond, but I was, you know, they, they actually didn't drop the worker mandates. They just dropped them to go inside of places. And this is a lull before another ratchet. And again, pay attention to history. But um, colleges you know, still have them, as you oh, know. Oh, I'm, a, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. So do high, so do high schools. Um, private schools do. So in any event, the, it was so interesting to me because I watched 
the Ukraine story blow up around this time. And I watched the same people were like, oh, we don't hate the anti-vaxxers anymore. We hate the Russians. <laughs> and I watched literally neighbors like just the Ukraine flags go up and see. And again, just for the record, like I, I'm, I'm a pacifist. I don't believe in wars, period, because I, I you know, I just have, I, I don't think that you should kill other human beings, particularly for a bunch of uh, bankers who are not interested in your well-being in the first place. But right. which is mo- what most of the wars are over. Uh, right. So, but it was interesting to watch these people who were so angry with me for my alleged anti-Semitic remarks hanging the Ukraine flags with no understanding of the Azov Battalion or the geopolitical history mm-hmm. of that region or the nuance. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a real mind virus. And this is, this is wild. And it's so far beyond anything I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. So in any event, that, that's my professional spiel. And that was so, very long-winded. You no, know, it's excellent. Of course. That's what I wanted um, as a launching off point for, um, and I, I want to know two things, but I want to be respectful of your time. So, and I have plenty of time, but the two things I kind of want to uh, talk a little bit about the movie. And I also want to talk a little bit about your, um, you know, your changed outlook, your next step, like what you hope to accomplish in your, you know, the next phase of your life and what you think is like the real hope for humanity. We touched on a little bit. I'd like to know about that. And I'd also like to know about the movie. And I don't know if you want to drag the movie into the larger context of your worldview or what, but I would like you, I mean, the movie was so, it was so emotionally draining for me just to, I I, I mean, my heart just absolutely bled for these people. I mean, some of these people were in the trials, severely injured, lifelong injuries, kicked out of the trial. And not only is there, is their story not heard, but they, but the, the trials by not including them, uh, they neutralized the science that they sacrificed their lives to bring. Yeah, the that trials the were terrible. Their trials were completely farcical on every level, and and certainly the messaging that came out of the trials were even more so. Um, so the, the thank you for the kind words about the film. Um, the Jennifer Sharp is the filmmaker. Um, she is a a force of nature. Um, she, the film, by the way, is Anecdotals. It could be found at anecdotalsmovie.com. Um, so I met Jennifer through a mutual friend, a, a buddy of mine. Was, I, I got together with a few friends actually at the brewery, you know, while the mandates had just been started. And it was kind of, we had been talking through a bunch of the stuff and all the craziness. And most of the people I was with were not terribly interested. But one friend was like, this is pretty fascinating, dude. I'd love to learn more. And I was like, well, you know, we had been using threes as like an underground sort of meeting space for a bunch of people like the defeat the mandates people met there and help plan that um so we 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 were you know that like um you know naomi wolf had her book party there like there were there were a bunch of there were a bunch of groups that were meeting there and i think a lot a lot of the people i'd met sort of through the movement had realized it was like a safe space for them to come right and you know that was great and i was very happy with that um and we were doing some information seminars too so we had, well, there was one particular night, a bunch of us got together and my, my friend who said, that's interesting. I'd love to learn more. I said, well, we're doing this thing next week. You should come. He said, oh, can I bring my friend? I, I think she might've been injured by the vaccine. 
I was like, yeah, bring whoever you want. And on this particular night, uh, there were maybe 25 people in the room and it was like hodgepodge of folks, right? It was some friends of mine, some people I didn't know. There were people across the political spectrum. There were a couple of doctors there, a couple of scientists, some concerned parents. There were people who were very pro-vaccine, some people who were very anti-vaccine. And it was like really across the board, some city workers who lost their jobs. So, and it was just like around the room right? Let's talk about perspective. It's just kind of a round table discussion. And it was sort of interesting because the last person to go was Jennifer. And she started to tell her story, which I'll, I'll compress it, but it, you know, everyone should watch the movie and hear the whole story. But it goes something like this. She got the Pfizer shot um, and she had a really bad reaction. She got um, paresthesia in her face and down her legs, really bad neurological reaction. Um, She'll be the first to tell you she was one of the lucky ones because she's, you know, she still gets pain sometimes, but she's, she's been able to function in her life. But she was like, okay, this was really bad. I shouldn't get a second shot. She asked her doctor, her doctor, who was, is one of the better ones, um, said, listen, I can't give you an exemption because I'll lose my license. But yeah, I'm, I'm acknowledging what happened to you, of course. Um, she was like, this is crazy. And, you know, cause she knew she was, in, she's based in LA. She knew she wouldn't be able to work. Um, she posted on Facebook what happened to her and she had friends start yelling at her that she is contributing to anti-vaccine hesitancy. And she's like, guys, I got hurt. Like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand. And, you know, Jennifer is, is a wonderful human being and, you know, she in the film, she says, she's like, you know, I always just listen to the, my liberal media outlets. They're telling me the truth. And she's on her own, you know, journey of awakening, which is, you know, in many ways, very consistent with mine. Although I, I think I, I'm, I'm a lunatic now and she's still on her. <laughs> You're um, pacing her a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, 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 or maybe I'm just a crazy person. She's, and she's not, but not um, <laughs> no, we, we've been, we fed off each other through all this. I think it's in very positive ways. So, you know, and then, she got connected with this group, this, um, you know, this, uh, this support group of people who at the time it was in the hundreds. Now it's in the thousands of people with similar stories to hers, similar reactions, similar reaction from doctors, similar reaction from friends. And she started telling this story and I'm, I'm shaking hearing it from her and, you know, sadness and rage. And I pulled her aside after, and I'm like, so what, what do you, what do you, what do you do for a living? Like, what do you, what are you doing? She was like, well, I'm a filmmaker. I was like, please oh tell me you're making this movie. <laughs> She's like, well, right. she had a really clever idea. She wanted to do um, Love in the Time of COVID. Because she she met her fellow during this time. And she said, like, he was great through all this. And she wanted to do a love story. I was like, that sounds amazing. How long will it take? She's like, probably a couple of years. And I was like, no, you need, to make, you need to make this movie right now. People need to hear this right now. They need to know your story. And she was like, you know, maybe I'll think about it. I, I don't think I was the first one to suggest she make a film. And then a couple months later, she was like, listen, I, I just lost a job over the mandate. And I can't believe it. I'd, I'd like to make the film. Do you, want, do you want to help? And I said, I'll do anything you need me to do. Yes, the story needs to, your story needs to get told. She was clearly like, we, we had become friends during that time. So I got to know her a little bit. And I knew she was a very creative person. Um, I had watched. Um, her her first feature film, which is Una Great Movie on Amazon. It's fantastic. It's like a it's like a romantic comedy, like totally, totally different kind of thing. What's it called? Una Great Movie. Oh, Una Great Movie. Okay, yeah. So I, I knew I knew she was a I hope she makes love in a time of COVID. Yeah. So I, I hope so too. Um, 
because she's an incredibly creative person. And, you know, but this was, you know, this was a doc. It was going to be something different. Um, and, you know, they were so, and there were, there were a few of us helping her kind of in the background. I roped in my friend, Eric Hartman, who's terrific and really creative person. There's another woman named Margie. Um, so, you know, she had like this motley crew sort of in her corner, but for the most part, this was Jennifer's vehicle. Um, and I think she did a really good job in a very balanced, nonpartisan way of talking about her own, her own awakening, um, telling the stories of people like her that have suffered and people that have suffered, frankly, worse than her, um, including people who lost children, uh, or those people whose children were permanently damaged. Um, both through the trials and then the early days of the vaccine. Um, not surprisingly, she uploaded the film to YouTube and it got taken down within 24 <laughs> hours for misinformation. Your people aren't allowed to tell their own stories. Right. Uh, somehow, Ron Johnson heard that and posted about it and YouTube put it back up, which is cool. So I watched back it on in, YouTube. Oh, you did? That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, Vimeo, interestingly, where she hosted the film, like even just when she was trying to, you know, just do trailers and stuff, uh, in a private account where she had a professional private account for 15 years as a filmmaker, Vimeo pulled it. She, they pulled the trailer. So, oh my gosh, yeah, wow. I, this whole cat wow. and mouse thing. So, when you, when you start to pay attention, but why to would the, they do that? Why did Vimeo do that? Um, that's a great question, you know, pressure, or are they, you know, are they? Do they get know. a call from the CIA or do they get a call from their watchers? You know, do they just I don't know. buy it? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted I know, to know. It's a great, that. it's a great question. I, I think depending on the organization, I can't speak to Vimeo specifically, Yeah. but I think, I think these are all a combination, right? Yeah. I think there are some true ideologues who don't understand that people deserve truth. And we, we've seen it, you know, over the last few years um, and way longer, frankly. And sometimes um, somebody gets a phone call. I, I've, I've gotten and sometimes that, that. Somebody gets yeah. a phone call. Yeah. So, you know, and sometimes they, you know, some stories are allowed to get out as narrative shift. And I, th that was one of the reasons I felt and Jennifer felt um, and everyone affiliated was like, this film needs to come out now. The, the dam is breaking clearly. Right. And, you know, again, I, I, I know, I, I mentioned, I don't know anyone who's gotten very sick or died of COVID um, or even with COVID. I, I, you know, I have like a couple of people Someone I know has an uncle who was very sick and overweight and, you know, he died. Enough to diminish the death of a human being because it's horrible. Um, yeah, you can't like, accelerate what? somebody's death just because they're fat. Like, that's not okay. Just because they're old, that's not okay. That's euthanasia. Yeah. That's not okay. That's right. Um, but, but I and, know. And they don't just accelerate it with COVID, which I consider to be a bioweapon. But they, if that didn't kill you, they'd put you on a ventilator. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's right. And now I know... And again, I have confirmation bias because I've been out looking for it. But even in my personal life, I have dozens of people who have vax injuries. And some some know it, some don't. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, you me. Know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I, I have several friends whose children now have cardiology. So I, you know, and you start to look at the patterns and it's like, well, I, I didn't know what myocarditis was called, you know, two years ago. And now I know five teenagers with it. That, yeah. that doesn't like it's, you know, every, and, and I started, you know, I started like posting this stuff on the internet, just like, and I started doing, look, but it's funny. Someone was like, Hey, Josh, there's a, someone stole your shtick. There's a movie called died suddenly coming out. <laughs> Cause I was, oh, I started yes. posting the died suddenly for like a year. 
Yes. And I, I would get like very hateful messages from people I've known forever. Like, what are, what are you even talking about? Like, I, I don't know. I, right. it, it, no, they have something then, called sudden adult death syndrome. Oh, sad. I'm aware. Yeah. And I, 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 my hashtag when I post a diet suddenly is just plain sad. It's just right. sudden adult death. It's not a syndrome. There are no, yep. there are no symptoms. <laughs> it's just. But, but to your point, like, you know, again, I, I had this, this one anti-vaxxer friend who's way smarter than I am. And I, I knew he deep down, he was probably right, but I was still convinced, you know, and it, but we never, it was never a thing. Like we never debated it or anything, but like, I, I didn't understand how important that view was. And, you know, since I've, you know, I've done tough research, I've read turtles all the way down and I'm like, oh, so this, this was all bullshit the whole time. Uh, wow. You know, I, I, I just recently learned that Jonas Salk was a eugenicist. That kind of blew my mind. His is not the vaccine we use. No, no. His but was it, not but, the polio vaccine. His vaccine killed people. Yeah. So it's, you know, you start looking back and you're like, oh my God. And, and then once you start peeling the layers, it's like, okay, so the entirety of history was not what we thought it was. And you know, I, I think about this a lot. Like, I, you know, I have children, as I know you do. And like, I could teach my kids anything from the time of birth. I could teach them to go out and eat trees. And, you know, I can make up a language. And like, it almost seems as if, you know, there are some people hoarding the ancestral knowledge. And we've been told something else entirely. And Santa Claus. You don't teach your kids about Santa Claus, but I did. Uh, do you know the story of Santa Claus? Well, I thought it was just St. Nicholas giving stuff out. Uh, you, uh, I'll send you something after. There's oh, the, boy. Uh, something oh, with my the... gosh. I thought I, I thought I was already. The scales fell off my eyes of Santa. You're going to keep... There's more? Uh, <laughs> it, there's something called the claustrum in the brain. It, it relates to the pineal gland and awakening and consciousness. And it's... Cool. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, but no, nonetheless, it's... I, I think at first for me... You know, it was horrifying as a middle-aged man to realize that I actually don't know anything. I just know what I was told. And particularly someone who fancied myself being a critical thinker um, yes. and realizing I was just played. Okay. And and then ultimately, I think it's become liberating, right? And I'm, I'm certainly on a, a quest to, to learn, um, as I think most people are ultimately. And I I actually believe most people are inherently good, but but fear is a hell of a drug, and we've seen that firsthand. So <laughs> I get that Rick James reference, <laughs> Chappelle, right? Isn't that the Rick James or cocaine is well, a hell of a drug? Oh no, I, I didn't even mean that. But, oh, you have um, to go see the Dave no, Chappelle, I know, Rick I didn't James. Even, maybe subconsciously, yeah, I did. Cocaine's um, a hell of a drug. By the way, so, someone yes. someone asked me um, about my politics recently, and I'll, I will confess, I voted for Dave Chappelle in the 2020 election. Just nice. I yes. always vote for Ron Paul, but that's a nice choice. <laughs> I, I don't know if he was running, but right, of course, of course. So, um, well, all right. So I have I've been keeping a list of all the things I'm going to put in the show notes. So on my website, monicasdeepdives.com, when after this is posted, uh, I will have all that stuff in there. So please, anything you want to add, and you can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want. I didn't want to drag you into my uh, you know, my conspiranoid dystopia with, uh, in the same show as we talked about anecdotals because anecdotals. And Jennifer go out of their way to make it not political. There's no speculation yep. in there. There's no conclusions. There's no causality. There's no science. There's nothing. It is literally 
just people telling their personal stories and you can evaluate them. It's basically looking them in the eye and evaluating them, seeing their life situation, seeing them there with their children, telling their stories. And you decide if it's true or false. You decide if it makes sense. And nothing that, you know, none of my speculation, my do my own research is, has anything to do with that movie. And I believe that that is uh, the reason that it is just uh, so powerful. Yeah, and for, for the record, she does have some clips of some of the COVID doctors, like, you know, Dr. McCulloch and Dr. Ryan Cole. And, mm-hmm. and then a, a lot of it was from Ron Johnson's first roundtable about COVID vaccine injuries um, mm-hmm. that also got censored from YouTube, uh, Senate, Senate testimony. Um, so I, it, I think if, if humanity survives all this, I think in 100 years, people will realize that this era was a story of censorship and not science. And and maybe everyone was, right? Every era. Because ultimately, you know, it's cliche. History is written by the victors. And yeah, there's, there are shapings of stories and narratives. And it's it's fascinating to watch them get told. But the technique is so perfect now. And you've contributed to that. Search oh, engine guy. That's not lost on me. Thank <laughs> you for reminding me comes full circle is that it's the technique that has been perfected. And that is why, I mean, that gives a whole new meaning to totalitarianism. It's a real possibility. Yeah. And it's, it's also, it's all about dialectic, right? And I know you've talked about this on some of your shows, right? Like, so whether it's left versus right, or vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. And sometimes there's, you know, Venn diagram of overlap of these things or, you know, medical freedom or not, but it's, it's all these groups pitted against one another rather than, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe deeply as I know you do in the power of the individual, but I, I also believe that we can have a collective awakening. And my, my hope is that people realize that let's, let's stop fighting with one another and let's look at the people that are manipulating our minds and getting us to hate one another. And let's just pay attention. Because I, I look at like the political parties and I see people I know all worked up about this. I'm like, do you not, you, you really not realize this is theater yet? That's, like we're watching, we're watching WWF wrestling. Another great thing about the movie Anecdotals is the, the very subtle red, blue, and come together as purple in the end. You noticed. You yes, noticed. that really made well, me. I noticed yeah. it specifically with Jennifer's outfit in the end being purple. And I was like, wait, wasn't yeah. she just wearing red? I was like, oh, it's giving almost me goosebumps. No yeah. I've got goosebumps no one right there. You can no, see. she, she um, yeah, that was super subtle. And um, I, I think her eyes have, have been open on this. And she she showed it to some friends and family and they were very worried about putting in like a Dr. McCulloch or someone I'm like, yeah. why? And it's like, well, they think he's a misinformer. And I, I'm really yeah. glad she held her ground. And yeah. She really, the film is fact-checked meticulously. We wanted to make sure that it was bulletproof because there's so right. many films. That, there's so much, there's so many things out there that you can look at and you're like, oh, well, you know, look at that clip is wrong. Yes. There's, there's nothing wrong in this movie. Yes. We know that. Yes, there, there, I'm not going to name names, but there are a few movies that I'm like, you know what? They take everything is good, and then they put yep. that one thing in there that a lot of us know are not true. Yep, and it undermines the whole thing. Undermines the whole thing, thing. Yep. and that I would say is intentional. Yeah, which is also it's also a double standard because 
are, you know, one side can get one thing wrong and it undermines everything, whereas the other side is literally wrong about everything. <laughs> and somehow they still have credibility. But, the montage that you have of like every single part. Was it your montage that we said had like various people saying like it will stop the spread and all of that? And then, you yeah. know, how do you how how do people answer that? I, I have gotten from I, I'll send that clip to friends when they say they ne- it was never supposed to stop transmission. It was just about hospitalization and death, which, by the way, is a lie also um, right. when you start to understand. And the problem is most people aren't, aren't willing to put in the time and energy to go through the CDC database and understand you know, what the comorbidities look like. And I guess I'm a lunatic and, or someone who just doesn't want to be lied to. So I took the time and along with some friends, we put in a, you know, thousands of hours of effort and couldn't believe our eyes. And then once you start peeling back the layers, you're like, oh, this isn't even the story. This is a story and it's a critical one. And yes. I'm, I'm glad oh, gosh. It. <laughs> the da- the like, rabbit hole at the bottom of the rabbit hole. I have, yeah, that's where yeah. I am. I mean, I can see you peering yeah. in, but... <laughs> Come on uh, I, down. I, I There's no I, ladder I up, though. It's a. It's just. It's just. A, it, you just have to jump in, and you're not getting uh, out again. Well, that's a that's a metaphor for Santa Claus, but you'll understand that when you. When oh you see my gosh! Right, we're gonna have to leave it there because that yeah. that will open a whole another yeah. can of worms. But I feel like what you're describing about like you and your friends putting in the time and effort. I feel the same way. I feel like there's this like um, truth impetus. And then, but I feel like the the counterbalancing one, maybe it's, you know, I don't think it's left brain, right brain, but like maybe there are two kinds of people, which I also kind of hate that, but that where one is like has the truth imperative and the other has the comfort imperative and, yep. and they just can't always live together. So you have to decide, you know, you, that when you run into people who will not hear what you have to say, it's like they really feel like they have to have, you know, they, they need to have the the safe space. They literally call it that. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the red pill and the blue pill. Again, yeah. more predictive programming. They told, they told us, yeah. right. Which one so, do you take? Oh, oh, that movie just, it goes on and on. Like, you know, they, where they have the, it, we couldn't give you a perfect world cause you wouldn't accept it. And that's why we have like all of this conflict and I think, Oh, Joshua could go on forever. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, end it here with hopes that we can do something again, maybe with Joni and, Really, you know, as, as long as we're not implicating anybody else, we can probably hang out in that that deeper rabbit hole. That would be super fun. But if there is anything that you want to tell people, basically just, you know, the movie, if you want to encourage people to look, uh, you know, to support Jennifer or, or any of your efforts, please tell them now and then we'll wrap up. Yes, definitely support Jennifer. Um, www dot anecdotalsmovie.com um the film she's not making any money from it in fact anyone who put in money will it was a donation but the the hope is um people have been giving donations so if you're interested in the film and do want to support the project um i strongly encourage that i I have my own bias um i would also and we didn't get into this but i've also been working uh with a coalition uh, called sovereigntycoalition.org which are a bunch of patriots who are trying to get the United States to withdraw from the World Health Organization. Um, and there are some folks who are pretty connected down to Capitol Hill. Um, and there's some headway there. As as we speak, the um, the World Health Organization is meeting in Geneva and part of, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but um, basically they are trying to impose um, 
were ostensibly vaccine mandates or any mandates on the entire world. So the U.S. and 193 other countries would essentially resign their sovereignty to the WHO. Um, anytime there are future future pandemics or any other global health crisis in the world. So, you know, another one for the conspiracy theorists. Which they can manufacture. I'm sorry, I have to add that. They can manufacture uh-huh. it when they need to lock everybody down. But yeah, so well, I, I'm going to put that. It's sh- going to be one. Yeah, so we, we could certainly talk about that next time and I can send you yes. some some more information on that. But um, yeah, and I'm, I'm just a, a concerned dad. So no, I don't need support. I just hope more people start paying attention and asking more questions and feel free to show me where I'm wrong. I'm an open-minded person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Thank I, you for all I, you do, Monica. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure and a joy. And it's so great to connect with people like you. That's the highlight of my life basically. And I did want to say, I'm going to put in the show notes, Una great movie, because hopefully Jennifer can make money out of that. And, and that way you can see more of her um, showcase her work and the work that she had to give up for this. So that that would be super cool. So I'm going to put all that in the show notes at Monica's Deep Dives. Thank you so much, Josh Stileman, for joining us today. I cannot wait to have another conversation with you. And thank you all for listening to Deep Dives with Monica Perez.